glorious grace, grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Carry Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Today, I'm speaking to what I've titled, More Grace, More Gratitude. More Grace, More Gratitude. Everybody say, More Grace, More Gratitude. Say it like you mean it. More Grace, More Gratitude. I want you to say it with vim. More Grace, More Gratitude. Hallelujah. Now, most people have this ideology that anytime you talk about grace, it rather makes people to sin. So for most of you, the moment somebody begins to speak about grace, you think about sin. That grace gives license to sin. If that is the power of grace, then how were you saved? how can sin be more powerful than the grace that took you out of sin so anytime you hear grace what should rather come to you is the power to overcome sin are you get the point and that's why you need more Grace. Because the grace that saved you, you must still walk in that grace. Apostle Paul actually says that we should stand in the grace. So anytime you hear grace, understand this, that grace worketh righteousness. Hello. It is very important because the devil always makes the things that will free us become our bondage. Yeah. So the same things God has given us to bring us into liberty, freedom, to love God, to know more God more, he makes us feel that those things. So some of you don't eat communion because you did something wrong. So you don't take communion. The same blood that washed you. The same blood that cleansed you. Now you are running away from that same blood. So what are you running to? So these are what we call the doctrines of demons. They are the doctrines of demons. And they are the doctrines that manipulate people. The reason why most people cannot preach about the grace of God, I give five reasons. Write them down. Write them down. This one is bonus. Write them down. Why people don't, people repel grace, number one. 
They just can't handle it. That their Christian brother or sister treated them so mean and will not be punished by God. That's number one. That's number one. You see, when we are asking for grace, it is when we have erred. But when grace will speak for somebody who erred against us, we don't want grace. Oh, is that not true? Is that not true? Ah. So you ask, yeah. So are you saying that this thing that this guy did to me, grace will deliver them. Grace will not meet judgment to them. Because you want to see them dead. And we pray <laughs> some of those prayers. Number two. <laughs> they came from a background that believes in karma. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. The moment Christ came in, that law was canceled in your life. Hello. Did you hear what I said? I said, the moment Christ came in, that law was canceled in your life. And I will teach specifically on that. All of those gray areas that makes our mind go round. I will speak to them. I will speak to them. If God was dealing with you by the law of karma, you think you'll be alive. Hmm. Number three, they can't fathom the love of God. Hence, they find it as a fairy tale. You see, when they think about the love of God that is found in his grace, they can't fathom it. It's unexplainable. It's, it's unthinkable. So they, they look at it and say, no, it can't be possible. This thing, yeah, I did it once, twice, thrice. And you say, still, God will forgive me. So some of us are sitting down and we are waiting for God's judgment. And if the judgment has not come, we are not free. Is that not true? No, is that not true? It's the devil. It's the devil. Some of us cannot forgive ourselves. So you see, we are living a life of condemnation. We are sitting in church. And yet, we feel condemned, but we are sitting down. Anyway, per chance, <laughs> Four, they have been raised and trained and nurtured in the law. So they have to suffer for their sin. Hello. All of us, change the way you are training your children. Because we train our children in the law. All of us, I am not excluded. I just changed recently. Yeah. I just changed recently. The point is, you tell your children, until you do this, you don't get that. God does not deal with us like that. 
the finished work of Christ has done everything. We don't have to deserve to get it. We deserve it because of Christ. And if you don't train your children like that, they can't handle the gospel. That is why you cannot handle the gospel. Because that's the way you've been trained. So when you tell them about the grace of God, they look at you. What is he talking about? In this house, everything I have to do to get. Say, if you are not first in class, you are not getting this. Oh, is that not true? All of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We say it's the law of motivation. Now, the kinds of things we are teaching psychology, and yet we want our children to operate the word. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. When they realize that the undeserved can still deserve because of grace, it will shock you how it will affect their lifestyle rather. The law kills. Grace gives life. Six. Five. Okay, thank you. They will not have the chance to prove that they are more holy and more powerful. Hello. Yeah. You see, some of us have made ourselves the custodians of holiness. And the moment we start talking about grace... Grace brings everybody to the common ground. Our holiness are the same before Christ. Hello. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? You are either holy or you are not. It is Christ's righteousness that makes you holy. Not yours. So which one of yours are you adding? So grace brings all of us to the common ground. So the moment you start talking about grace, and everybody sees that from the Pope to the least one who got saved today, they are all righteous by his righteousness. Nobody becomes the custodian of holiness. So they can't bully you. So then, oh, it's not true. And that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were using to manipulate the people, to lay heavy burdens on their head. That they are more worthy. But in Revelations, they were singing the song. Worthy is who? Is who? Is who? Is who? And you. Did they add and you? Your worthiness is in there now. That's what grace does. Hello. <laughs> Six. They can no longer promote themselves by Jesus. 
Anytime you talk about grace, you can't promote yourself. Because everything you are and everything you do is of him, not of you. So you see, it's difficult for people because human beings want to promote themselves. Say, I did it. I am the one. But the moment grace comes in, it ceases to be you. It's all him. Hello? Yeah. So people repel grace. So that they can say, it's me. It's me. Well, you can choose that it is you. But for me, it is him. Amen. The last but not the least. Eight. Hey. They misconstrue grace for laziness and shifting responsibility. Hello. Yeah. They misconstrue grace for lazy. Anytime you talk about grace, they say, oh, then they are telling the people to be lazy. Who told you that? No, who told you that grace makes people lazy? Paul said, I labored more than all of them. Yet my labor came by the grace. Hello? Yeah. So in the assignments that God has given us, grace gives us the energy to rather labor. We receive the undeserved favor of God to labor and do even more than others are doing. That's why carries will be better. Because grace is behind it. So it's like you are climbing a mountain. And everybody can see that this mountain is very steep. And yet you, invincibly, have somebody who is pushing you from the back. So everybody can see your legs and everything climbing, but they don't know somebody is pushing you. That is grace. So whilst they are struggling with their effort, somebody is pushing you. And they can see your legs climbing. But they don't know it is not you. But somebody is right behind. Hallelujah! Grace. Grace. You, you will do it better. You will do it faster. I say you will get to the mountain top on record time. They will not understand. But there is an invincible hand. Okay, so the last. Eight. It is an innate nature in humans to want to prove that they are in charge of their own affairs. Yeah. That is how the fall of man came. Right from the Garden of Eden. The devil told them. That, the devil just told them one thing and that was what changed everything. Changed the equation. He said, listen, if you eat this thing, your eye will be open and you become like God. So you'll be in charge of your own affairs. Nobody will detect to you. Nobody. So that inner thing in man wants man to always say, I'm the boss. I'm the boss. Yeah. So the American will say, you are the man. You are the man. You are the man. Jesus is the man. Grace is the man. Hallelujah. So now, let me go to today's Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14. 
Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14. More grace, more gratitude. More grace, more gratitude. Jeremiah 3 14. Return all backsliding children, says the Lord. Old Testament. For I am married to you. So tell the next person, I am married to Christ. And he said, I will take you from one city and two from a family. And I will bring you to Zion. And what is going to happen there in Zion? I will give you shepherds according to my heart. Hey. You have a shepherd who, according to God's heart. Who, what would they do? They will feed you with what? Knowledge and okay. So let's it is scripture that interprets what? Scripture. So let's look at this scripture. Well. So where is Zion? He said, I will take you to where? Zion. So I'm picking you from a place. And the place was calling. He was picking them from Sinai because the law has been hurting them. The law has been killing them. The law has been laying burdens and yokes on them. He said, I am picking you. I'm taking you to. So where is Zion? Obadiah 17. He says, but on Mount there shall be what? And there shall be and the house of Jacob shall possess their so on Mount Zion, he is going to give you deliverance, salvation. And you are going to have his righteousness. And every possession that is yours, you will possess. Oh, hallelujah. So he said, I am taking you from the place where you have been laid with burdens, The place where you are in bondage. The place where you are unrighteous. And I will deliver you. And I will give you my holiness. And then everything that is yours. Zozo. That is in your salvation. Comes to you. Hallelujah. Alright. So he says. He will give them shepherds. According to his own heart. And they will feed them with knowledge. And understanding. He's going to do that in Zion. Is that right? Where he will make. He will deliver them, give them salvation. He will make them righteous by his righteousness and then they shall possess their... So let's look at Jeremiah 23 verse 3. It says, But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their fold. He's already told us where he's bringing them. Is that right? And they shall be what? He emphasizes the fact that they shall possess their because they shall be fruitful and what increase. So God did not bring you into salvation for lack. Continue, continue. Let's already go. I will set up what shepherds over who will again he will what? So you can see that what the shepherd has been called to do is to what? Feed, 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 feed. Okay. And what is going to happen to them? Go. And they shall fear. So any shepherd that always speaks fear to you. 
said, every time they are speaking, it brings fear to you. You are not in Zion. You are in Sinai. Many people are sitting in Sinai. Because they have shepherds who are speaking fear to them. They shall fear no more. Nor be what? Nor shall they be what? Lacking. Says the Lord. Hey. You better know where you are. And check what feed you are getting. Check. Some of us eat everything. Check what you are eating. When Peter fell, last week we looked at that. And Jesus, he fell into much more grace. Is that right? So Jesus said, Peter, come, 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 come. Come. Now you are ready. You are ready. Your falling is not for destruction. Your falling is to go on for a new assignment. So now I want to tell you exactly what I have called you to do. So Peter, come. After they had eaten, give me the next slide. They had eaten. Jesus sat down, ate with them. And they had a sumptuous meal. And then Jesus said, when they had eaten breakfast, did I say it by myself? Okay. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Hello? And he said to me, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. What did he tell to him? You see the assignment? Feed my what? Lamb. So feed, feed the baby Christians. Are you getting the boy? Feed. And he, he spoke to him based on fear. Based on fear. Based on what? Love. After they had eaten breakfast. Not after scolding him. And then he asked him, do you love me? So this gospel is not out of fear. It's out of love. If you love me, I love these people. So go and feed them. Don't feed them with fear. Feed them with love. The same love you love me. Extend that love to them. Jesus wanted to be sure. He said, then he said to them the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord. You know I love you. Peter was getting frustrated. And then he said to him, tend my sheep. Tend my sheep. Tend them. Caress them. Let them feel cozy. Let them grow well. Give them good food. Nurture them. Listen to me very carefully. Get out of Sinai. 
The reason why Christians can't do so much is because we are sitting in Sinai. Our creativity is dead. Because when you are condemned, what can you create? What can you create? You can't think well. Next. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now Peter grieved. Because Jesus wanted to emphasize that this thing that you are going to do is not by manipulation. It's by love. Listen, listen. Ministry is by love. It's nothing else. That is what our master represents. Love. He said, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. In other words, you know my heart. You know that I love you. Jesus came back again and said, this time, feed my sheep. Praise the Lord. You see, when you are coming to church, that's why you must run to church. And you must run happily to church. You don't get it. Because that is where everything about you is nurtured. And you are fed with knowledge and understanding to go out and do everything that God called you to do. It is the place. Don't forget that it is that place you receive deliverance. In that place, your holiness is entrenched. And then you go out and possess every possession. So if you have to be forced to come to church, there's something wrong. If you have to come to church late, it's because we are walking in ignorance. We don't understand it. Ha. When you see somebody by 7.30, they are sitting down waiting. They are charged like something. Because they know they are going to take some grace pills. That would take them into their destiny. They know they have come to Zion. Deliverance is going to take place. Their holiness is going to be entrenched. And they will leave this place possessing their possessions. What they didn't understand in the week. Ah, understanding will come to them. Certain mysteries will be unfolded. Wisdom will be made available. God will connect them to something, to somebody. Something that was kind of, something that was complex. And they didn't understand. By the time they finish sharing, they are so refreshed. That's what you call church. Anything apart from that, I don't know what to call it. Praise God. Don't forget that Sinai came out of sin. I'll speak to, <laughs> I'll speak to some of these things and you'll be shocked. That's why the Bible says that the strength of the law is sin. The strength of the law is sin. So, more grace, more gratitude. 
In 1 Timothy 1, 14 to 15, look at what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Hello. That's why Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then Apostle Paul came to confirm it. He said, when I received the grace of God, in the grace of God, I have exceeding abundance of faith and love. Hello. So what is in the grace of God? Exceeding abundance, faith and love. Hello. Fear is not in the grace. Hello. What is in the grace? Faith. When grace comes to you, you have the faith you never had. Do you know what the obedience in the New Testament is? Obedience is faith. That's why everybody Jesus healed, he told them, not your obedience, your faith. Faith in who? Faith in him. Your faith in him is what we call obedience. The faith of Abraham, the faith of Isaac, the faith of all those people is not what our faith is. That's why they were looking for a building whose foundation is God. But they never saw it. But we have seen him. So in Hebrews chapter 12, after everything in Hebrews 11, he comes to 12 verse 1 and says, looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of your faith. You can now understand that. So you keep gazing. He becomes your attention. Faith in him. Love in him. Because you receive grace. And he says, it's not faith that is limited. Exceeding abundant faith in him. So tell me, who tells you that grace works sin? Grace works faith. Grace works love. I'm coming. Second Corinthians 4 15. Second Corinthians 4 15. By the time we finish, you, you have become a student of the Bible. And that is my desire. Because nobody can deceive you. And nobody can lie to you. All this is for your benefit. All this is for who? Whose benefit? Okay, what? What is that? So that what? The grace. That is reaching. So listen. Anytime we receive salvation, what have we received? Oh, anytime people receive the Lord, what do they receive? Grace. Grace. As grace is reaching more and more people, what is the effect of grace? Thanksgiving and what? Which what? Overflows to the glory of So when people receive grace, what comes into their heart? Thanksgiving, which is overflowing. Hey, the word thanksgiving there is the same word as gratitude. And gratitude is different from thanksgiving because you can say thank you and you don't even mean it. 
But gratitude is from the heart. That is why he used the word overflow. I'm going to show you something. Give me the next slide. Look at what he says. What Paul is saying is this. It is all for your benefit so that carries grace. Carries. Carries. Extends to more and more people. It may overflow in Eucharistian. So you can see carries in the middle of gratitude. Can you see that? So you can see charis, Eucharistian. So the word gratitude actually came out of the word grace. So wherever grace goes, gratitude will follow. Tell me who sees exceptional kindness and will not show gratitude. Tell me who is shown exceptional good. And they will not show gratitude. Anytime grace goes, it doesn't work sin. It works gratitude. People from their heart overflow. And they don't know what to do with themselves. And they get attached, not just to the gift, but to the person. When grace comes to you, it will make you get attached. Not to the gift. Yes, you will love the gift. But you always be attached to the person who gave you the gift. That's what exceptional, undeserved favor does. It hooks you to the person. And you always want to love them. You always want to show them gratitude. Because you know without them, this would never have come to you. That's the power of grace. So Apostle Paul said, everything that is happening is for your benefit. That as grace is going, gratitude is growing. So who tells me that you preach grace and people will be ungrateful? No. It's because we ourselves are too mean. That is our problem. Our rate of forgiving is zero level. And so when we put God's own, that grace gives, we look at it and say, no, it can't be possible. So we rate God just like ourselves. But you are not God. That's why God is God. It doesn't frustrate God to give. It doesn't frustrate him to forgive. It doesn't frustrate God to let go. It doesn't frustrate God. It may frustrate you because you have limited content. God is unlimited. So please, don't use your content to judge and measure God's grace and God's favor. As I tell some of us, if we are the ones to share the grace, tell me how you use teaspoon. <laughs> this food. Yes. Listen to me. As you, you would realize that as we teach, as, as we teach the grace of God, it will shock you the kinds of things you'll be doing. And you'll be living certain things that are mediocre. Very soon, your life will be surrounded with major things. Because grace will make you see that these things are useless. That's what grace does. It opens your eyes to good things, major things. 
And, and you see Christ the way you must see him. That's what grace does. Am I teaching? Take your time. Take your time. We have a case study. Let me take this and then I'll take the case study. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 5. So, Apostle Paul said, one of the things I said about why people repel grace, Apostle Paul spoke to it. 2 Corinthians 4 5. He says, For we do not preach what? We do not preach what? What do we do? But Christ the Lord and ourselves, your what? Your born servant for whose sake? Ah, that is a man of grace. He says, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ, the Lord. But as for us, we are born servants for your sake, for you, for you, for the sake of Christ. That's why I spoke about born servant before I started grace. Because until you realize that you willingly are a born servant for him, it is difficult to operate in grace. Because where there's grace, there's no ego. Hello. So Paul said, this business is not our business. All we can do is to preach Christ, not ourselves. It doesn't matter whether I fly business. I don't, we don't preach ourselves. Are you getting the point? We preach Christ. That, that's where we have to get to. Let everything be focused on Christ. Because in Christ is the fullness of grace. Thank you, Jesus. Look at the case study. Luke 7, 41 to 47. Luke 7, 41 to 47. Everybody, we're going to read. Go. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. The other owed 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he gave forgave more. Uh, so he said to him, you have what? Uh, do you understand the story? Is it clear that two people are owing? One is owing much more than the other. And they were all forgiving. He says, who one will love the master who forgave them more? The one who had much more debt. <laughs> Hello? Where sin abound? Much more grace abound. Ah, are you getting the point now? Yes. Because listen to me. The one who is forgiving more will be hungry for more love. Because they have been forgiving more. They are in a more, a more difficult mess. So when they are forgiving, they know that this one I must die. And that is why David was crazy even in the Old Testament. Because for what he did, he should have been killed. Stoned to death. 
But he was let go. He said, ah, I hook to you. And out of David, Bible said the throne of Judah was built. Jesus came out of him. Because he was forgiving much. He loved much. When you are forgiving much, you will love much. I don't know what is condemning you. But whatever is condemning you, you are forgiving much. So let your love rather grow much. So Jesus said this because of a, a particular woman. The woman came to Jesus when Jesus was at a dinner and started wiping the feet of Jesus with her hair. Poured alabaster oil on Jesus. And the people there were angry. And they said, if this man knew the kind of lady who is around her right now, he's not a prophet of God. He can't discern. But if he can discern, hush. He will not allow this, this party to be around. Because that's what he said. Everybody knows her in town. Kinds of things that she does. Ah! And he, he says what? He's the son of God. What is this lady doing? Especially with the hair around her. <laughs> you, you understand the point? Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon do you see this woman I entered your house you gave me no water for my feet but she has washed my feet with her tears wiped them with her hair continue for me you gave me no kiss but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in you did not anoint my head with oil. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiving for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiving, the same loves little. Jesus is saying that what the woman is doing is flowing out of gratitude. Because the woman you see has so much baggage, has so much mess, but when grace found her, she has no way to express herself anymore than to show gratitude to the one that showed her grace. So everything I've seen this woman do it's not to seduce me. It's not because she's evil. When I came to your house, because you think that you have forgiven, been forgiven little, and because you are righteous, you didn't do that to me. You didn't show some expression to the one who gave you grace because you think you are cool. And that's what some of us do. We think we are cool. So when we see people on fire, out of the gratitude for which they have seen grace work in their lives, we think they are fools. We think they don't know what they're about. And we condemn them and call them names. Jesus said, you think you are cool. So you come to church anyhow. You do stuff anyhow because you don't understand how grace Everything that the woman is doing is because they know grace found them. Grace found them. So let's look at the woman's mess. 
Maybe you didn't know. And then we'll see that her gratitude even went beyond what we saw. Mary Magdalene, the much grace she received. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. The lady has a label on her. Sinner. I don't know what name they call you. They don't know you. I don't know what tag they have put on you. They don't know you. It's because they don't know that grace is upon you. No matter how they see you, they don't know you. They are defining you by the wrong label. He called him a sinner. And when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of, of, of fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would not know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. So you see, there are people we don't think the grace of God should extend to. We look at them and say, they don't deserve their grace. Ha. Huh. Paul said, when you talk about grace, I talk about me because I was a prosecutor. I was a persecutor. I was a molester. But I said, grace found me. Of which I am. He didn't say I was. I am the chief sinner. He didn't say I was. He said I am. He said, of which I am the chief sinner. Chief. The one who wrote two texts of the gospel knows that he doesn't deserve. Even what he thinks is his most righteous state is nothing. But the grace of God is justified by his grace. Look at this. He's a sinner. What manner of woman? Mercy upon the Pharisee. Look at the woman. Luke 8.2 tells us. She was part of certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And they said, Mary called Magdalene out of whom had come seven demons. So when they said that woman was a sinner, you can understand. Seven demons. So seven types of demon actually spoke to seven different kinds of sins. Seven means completion. You understand the point? Aha. Aha. You, you can understand now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seven. You can understand the thing. Their headquarters were there. <laughs> Seven. Yeah. You know. And, 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 and so you can understand what she was doing. They didn't understand. There's a story behind her gratitude. When you are dancing, they don't understand. When you are sharing your testimonies, they don't understand. 
when you are giving to God, they don't understand. They don't understand. Seven demons. Seven demons. The lady was known all around. Actually, she was known as a prostitute. That's what they called her. Yeah. All around town, that was her name. That was her level. Somebody whose name is Mary Magdalene. Magdalene means fortress. Power. But look at what the devil wanted to reduce her to. And still when Grace had found her, they didn't want to change her name. Let's look at another thing. Mary Magdalene's much gratitude. So you can see who she was. And you can now go to see why she was so much gratitude. And let's look at the gratitude she showed. Number one. Then six days before the Passover, she came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Then they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with fragrance oil. My brother, when you read the first one, you think that it is the same. It is not the same. He didn't, she didn't anoint Jesus once. Oh. This is another story. Praise God. Everybody says she was showing what? Let's go to the next. Next gratitude. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. The lady was so grateful that, listen, when Martha was worrying about serving Jesus with food, she was actually engaged listening to Jesus. You don't get it. Because for Mary, her attention was Jesus. Anything from Jesus is what she is ready to take. Get this. You see, Martha, she's like most of us. You see, Martha was serving, but it was not from her heart. She was serving out of obligation. She was not serving out of gratitude. So she wanted Mary to come help her. And that is why some of us, it amazes me. You think you are holy. And yet, you are jealous of somebody who is sinning. Ah! I don't get this. Ah! I don't get this. Listen. A true holy person feels pity for a sinner. Because where they, by grace, have gotten to, how they see this thing, they don't even want to be part. That is matter. That is matter. Matter is peddling in trivial things. And yet, she's jealous. She thinks she's doing the right thing. When Mary says, I want to take from Jesus, catch his attention, listen to what he's saying, that will give me life. That's where my attention is. All I want is him. All I need is him. 
if you love Jesus, you feel pity for sinners. And you want them to receive that grace you have received. That is what the church should be filled with. Hello. Let me not hear you talking about anybody again. That's not church. That is a Pharisee camp. It's not church. That's not church. You go down and begin to pray. You begin to fast. You begin to exhort and believe God that grace will find them. That is your duty. That is love. Not spreading and talking about them. He shall not be found in this place. Go ahead. And a certain woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons, continue. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, Susanna, and many others who provided from him from their substance. The woman could not help but show gratitude. For what has been done for her, she was part of the women who were supporting Jesus' finances. Hello? Giving to Jesus. Anointed Jesus twice. Giving to Jesus every time. They give out of their substance. Giving. 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 It was not out of obligation. She was doing it out of the response of gratitude. What this man has done, I don't know what to do. Was giving. Giving. Give me next. Gratitude. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. While it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. The lady loved Jesus. She was filled with gratitude because of grace. She was the one who went there first. Where is this man? This is my life. In whom? In this man I find significance. I find dignity. I find honor. And the man has been taken away. She couldn't sleep. What was she doing there? Watch it. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Can you hear this? Can you hear this? The disciples went. But was she there? Check. But Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she stood down and looked into the tomb. When all the others are gone, the woman was filled with gratitude. She could not go. You see, because she's been forgiving much. Her gratitude is overflowing. I can't leave this man. I can't do that. I can't. He was there. And she saw two angels in white sitting. One at the head and the other at the feet. Where the body of Jesus had lain. Listen. When you have received more grace... And you show 
more gratitude, you will find more grace. Hello. That's how. It's a cycle. They all left and went home. But she saw the glory. Overflowing with gratitude. Then they said to a woman, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? Continue for me. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Hello. Everybody say hello. After showing all of this gratitude, Jesus told this woman that the alabaster box of oil you poured, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, we are preaching here in Ghana. It shall be told as a memorial to her. To her. What does that mean? Go with me. For many of us, Christ is the means and not the goal. For Mary, Christ is her goal. <laughs> For many of us, Christ is the means to get your visa. For many of us, Christ is the means to get dignity. For many of us, Christ is the means to get something. For Mary Magdalene, Christ is not a means. Christ is her goal. Looking unto Jesus. And that is why Christ is saying that for everything that grace means to a person, wherever this gospel shall be preached, Mary Magdalene shall be mentioned because she's an epitome of what the product of grace shall show gratitude. Hello. What the product of grace does, Mary Magdalene epitomizes that. Wherever grace goes, Mary shall be mentioned. That when people receive grace, overflowing gratitude comes with it. Mary is that example. That Jesus, the fool of grace, Jesus, fool of grace, when he shows grace, people will show gratitude. And Mary has epitomized that. I can tell you that Mary, after everything, Jesus' death, everything, Mary still stuck. When they were mentioning the disciples, at the upper room, she was part. Mary stuck. Because for her, Jesus was her goal. Anytime you hear grace, know that gratitude follows it. Amen. Amen. Grace will not lead you to sin. Grace will lead you to gratitude. 
Amen. I want you to know that let your life be full of grace. And like Mary, let your focus be Jesus. Forget about everybody. Let them say what they will say. Let them do what they will do. As for you, your focus is on Jesus. May he be your attention. Take your attention from any other thing. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. When you read that scripture, he said, oh, delight in the Lord and whatever you ask, he will give you. David delighted in him. But David wanted to build a temple. He said, I won't allow you. Apostle Paul delighted in him. Is that true? Yes. But the thorn in his flesh was not removed. He said, my grace is sufficient. Is that not true? Uh -huh. So when he says, delight in the Lord, when you delight in something, it is that thing you want. It's that thing you desire for. What he's saying is that if you delight in me, you will have me. The desire of your heart will become me. And now everything in me then will become yours. Praise God. May you delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Let's finish with this scripture. The benediction we always say. Let's all say, go. So the grace of the Lord will lead to the love of God. And the love of God will lead to communion with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> when, when you walk in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be full of his love. And then you have communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And he will lead you and tell you what to do and tell you where to go. Your choices, he will tell you. He will, te he will lead you. That is the fulfilled life of a man who walks in the grace of God. And that's why when we're sharing the benediction, we say this, that the grace of our Lord Jesus. Go and read 2 Corinthians 13. And you see why Paul said that. Some of them have sinned. And he said, you have sinned. And it seems as if you have been disqualified. But you know that we are not disqualified. <laughs> I'm not disqualified. He said, because you can't be disqualified. And so when he was leaving them, he admonished them. When he was leaving them, he said, walk in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It will produce the love of God. And you have fellowship always with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. Come.